Episode 42, War with a Twist. I'm Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a November 21st, 2007 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. In 1882, war was being waged in Stafford County, Kansas, where two towns vied for the prospect of hosting the newly formed county government. To win the war, the towns agreed to a vote, but someone had a different plan. Join curator Laura Van Orsdale and me as we examine a ballot box used in the vote and swept up in a tornado. Was the twister a form of divine punishment or a clever cover for voter fraud? Later, we take you to game night at Smith Center, Kansas, a small town whose phenomenal high school football team recently appeared on the front page of the New York Times. The team hasn't lost a game in three years, and this year they set a national record by scoring 72 points in one quarter. 72 points in 12 minutes. That's like a touchdown a minute. Finally, join us for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White, Election 2008. This week, we connect the Emporia editor to John Edwards, a former senator from North Carolina and Democratic presidential candidate. But first, war with a twist. All we are is dust in the wind. Good morning, Laura. Um, today we're going to be talking about a ballot box that you um, you wrote about in your last cool things, and the ballot box is a wood ballot box. It's maybe like what a foot and a half long. It's not mm-hmm. very deep. Um, it looks like it's made out of pine. Yeah, it's a, a, absolutely not very deep <laughs> since the top half is missing. <laughs> right, and it's pretty busted up. And in right. fact, the top half is completely missing. So it's basically a busted up ballot box. <laughs> Um, And this ballot box was used in an 1882 vote taken in Stafford County, which is located in south-central Kansas. Uh, It's like roughly about an hour west of Wichita. Right. Uh, What kind of vote was this ballot box caught up in? (laughs) Well, this ballot box was used um, not to elect people, but to elect a county seat. Stafford County was organized in 1879, and at that time, St. John, uh, which is a city kind of in the west side of the county, was elected as the temporary county seat. And in 1882, uh, they decided to go ahead and hold an election to determine the permanent county seat. What does it mean to be a county seat? Well, that's the seat of the county government. That's where your courthouse is located, and that's where you go to pay taxes or um, probably register deeds. That A lot of business transacts there for... A lot of these counties, especially in western Kansas, the, having the county seat in your town was really an advantage. Um, you, people, a lot of people from all over the county had to come there to do, you know, this business that was required taxes and that kind of thing. Uh, also, it was a great way to promote your town. If you had the county seat, it generally meant your town was pretty successful and it was probably going to survive. Um, so, if you're a young town and mm-hmm. the biggest economy around is the agriculture, which can be a little. Um, right. Hectic and temporal, and you know people may come and go. Right, you're you're really interested in having something like a municipal government. Right, that would be stable and would not be going anywhere. Right, and it creates a lot mm-hmm. of jobs. Right, right. So plus, um, also the county seat. A lot of times, a railroad would be attracted there for the same reason that you know your county seat 
you know, it's stable. It's a town that's not going to be moving. And if you could get the railroad, then you could get not only the business uh, of travelers going through, but also people would come there to, to ship stuff to the railroad or pick things up that they'd ordered or, or passengers just coming um, and stopping there. So it was really an advantage. Mm -hmm. So if you're a county, if you're, if you're a, a, an early Kansan and you're living in a town, you really want to be the county seat of your county. <laughs> yes, you do. And we talked about this before. And when you get down, base, when you really get down to it, what does it mean? But what makes you a county seat is basically a big stack of records and papers. <laughs> That's right. Because, no. uh, you know, if you had if you had the county records, then you had the county seat. And that does come into play uh, in some of the county seat battles that we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Uh, this vote, this particular vote in Stafford County, ended in a strange twist. <laughs> Which may explain the fragmented appearance. Um, who won this particular vote and why? Basically what happened was the election was held on April 4th, 1882, and um, everything was going smoothly except for, of course, uh, Stafford County had a pretty mild county seat war. Um, most of it happened with between the two newspaper editors in the major towns of St. John and Stafford County. Um, there was one other town in the in the election in this 1882 election, and that was Bedford. So this is a countywide vote. Yes. And there's three interested towns, mm -hmm. and everybody's mm -hmm. voting to pick which town is going to be the new county right. seat. And I think there was also um, uh, also a fourth contender, which was never really a contender, but it was sort of a centrist vote, I guess you could call it, where it was like people had picked the center part of the county and said, we want to put the county seat here, even though there really wasn't a town there. So mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine that would have actually won. But so, um, yeah, you've got three t major contenders for this vote. And uh, St. John had been the, the temporary seat um, from 79, 1879 to 1882. Well, the day that this, the election that this ballot box was involved in um, took place, everything was going fine until about four o'clock in the afternoon. And then a major storm blew up. And uh, blew up the town, basically. The blew, um, hit what town? Stafford. Stafford. Hit in Stafford. And Stafford was the polling place for Stafford Township. Um, this storm produced a tornado, and it hit a couple farms outside of town. And then it also did quite a bit of damage to most of the business district of Stafford. Um, hit, you know, there were several stores that were completely destroyed. And um, the polling place where the election was going on. Was where this ballot destroyed. box was. Right, right. And uh, the ballot box was picked up in the storm and carried about a half a mile. And um, as you can see from the picture, uh, the, it did not survive the landing well <laughs> when it finally came down. And um, the ballots, unfortunately, were blown away. So here you have this um, election where the one whole township's votes are gone, you mm -hmm. know, blown to the wind because of this tornado. In fact, there's this great quote of... Um, one of the newspapers, uh, actually it was a St. John newspaper, described um, Ezra Crane from Stafford trying to hold on to this ballot box as the tornado's going through, and he just can't quite hold on to it, and so he has to let it go, and it just bursts, the, you know, the storm bursts the ballot box. Nice, and all the ballots go up in the air. Right. But Stafford, you know, really, relatively, got off pretty, pretty lucky, but how do you know who wins this election? So what they did, they decided to do, um, was they decided to hold a... Another election, this was the third election, <laughs> a few days later, and that was just uh, for Stafford Township. Voters could come back in and they could cast their vote again. So this is a few days after their town mm -hmm. has basically yeah. been leveled. Right, yeah. 
they, um, you know, and they do talk about in the newspapers. They talk about how people from Bedford and, St. and St. John were coming over to help out. And uh, there are some snide comments, like the editor of this, the Stafford paper, thanks the St. John uh, editor for coming over to offer his assistance. But he was very proud to say that they were able to get the paper out and, uh, you know, give a copy to the St. John editor uh, for him to take home. Yeah, the results of the election, that second election, basically ruled out everybody but Stafford and St. John. Uh, but St. John still, St. John had actually won by a few votes, but it wasn't enough of a majority to make them the permanent county seat. A few days later, they held the fourth election, and that so was... So there's a fourth election. <laughs> there's a fourth election. And that in that election, St. John won with the majority... So the county seat stayed in St. John, and which is where it is today. Stafford County was not the only county seat uh, to experience a county seat war. Um, what other towns and counties experienced county seat wars, and did they all end in natural disasters? <laughs> well, not natural disasters, but some of them ended with a lot of bloodshed, actually. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. There were about at least 30 heavily contested um, battles for county seat. Now, not all of them ended violently. Um, a lot, Some of them were like Stafford County, where it was mostly fought in the newspaper, um, you know, where a town would go. One town, you know, a couple of towns were competing, and their newspaper editors would really let it fly at the other town. Mm -hmm. um, the, there were some county seat wars that involved one one town stealing the county records from another town where they would go in the dead of night with armed men and load the county records up in a wagon and take them back to the other town. And then they would set up a barricade around the, wherever they were hiding the county seat records um, and wait That's for an the other town war. to show up. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, most of those um, most of those uh, kinds of contests were settled eventually legally and not you know with a gun battle but there were some that did end up with men dying in fact bat masterson was involved in one county seat war in gray county uh, there were a couple towns fighting over the county seat and bat masterson um, came over and helped uh, one town that was in gray county he came over and he was sort of hired by one community to help uh, with this during this difficult time probably they hired him claiming he was um, there to protect the town but right. I believe he ended up going to the other community that was um, fighting for the county seat and being sort of a pull watcher uh, at that nice <laughs> seat war. so he was a hired gun that Basically. maybe was intimidating mm -hmm. people at the polls mm -hmm. oh yeah and that was he was not the only one there were quite a few um, towns that would hire especially if they had a, a rich the town had a rich backer because if, um, say, like for instance, the, probably the worst county seat war in Kansas was Stevens County, which is in the southwest corner of Kansas, and um, one of the parties involved in that was Sam Wood, and he lived there. He had been uh, he'd been uh, fighting for the free state cause. He was kind of a lightning rod in the community. It seemed like a lot of people either really loved him or hated him, but he had a lot of money, and so he could back his choice for county seat, and um, uh, which was Woodsdale. And the other town was Hugoton, which I'm hmm. sure you, you've heard of I'm not familiar Hugoton. with Woodsdale. Yeah, I don't think it exists anymore. It's pretty much gone. But uh, he... I guess we know who won that county <laughs> sea war. Yeah, in the end. Although there were quite a few people killed. In fact, Sam Wood was assassinated. Um, really? Yeah. Don't you think this uh, tornado story, though, sounds a little, a little fishy? <laughs> uh, like a bunch of hot air? <laughs> To me, it actually kind of sounds like an attempt to uh, cover up some voter fraud. <laughs> 
Do you, what do you think? Well, you know, um, I suppose that's possible, although it does, uh, it is kind of going to a lot of work to produce a tornado to cover up voter fraud. I know you said, <laughs> you said that it was documented in the, no, in the mm-hmm. local newspaper, yeah, but you happen. also said that, um, editors, it was a war in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not unfathomable that some of this stuff could be dramatized or just made up in the newspaper. That's true. But um, but you think it actually happened, right? It really was think, a tornado. Yeah, I really think there was a tornado. Um, I I found it in several different places where there was discussion of the tornado. Although it wouldn't surprise me if there had been voter fraud too. Um, a lot of times there was, you know, ballot box stuffing or, you know, people's names being, you know, people voting five or six times for people who are dead or people who never lived in the county. Um, that wasn't that uncommon. And, you know, who knows how many county seats are fraudulently now the county seat. (laughs) Okay. Um, So the following are some slang names that have been given to contemporary election fraud tactics. Um, Stuff like ballot stuffing, uh, remote voting, vote spoiling, the shoe polish method, and (laughs) granny farming. That's my favorite. Um, Laura, if you could coin a phrase... Um, that's associated with this ballot box and this election, what would it be? Well, I, I have some examples okay, if you want to hear them. Yeah. Uh, the first, I think you could call this one the tornado method <laughs> or the old natural disaster gag or pulling a Dorothy. <laughs> I thought about ballot twisting, play off of Twister, um, cyclone switch out. <laughs> and um, I also really liked the idea of pulling a Dorothy, but I think I believe that's also sometimes known as Toto. I've got a feeling we're not at the election anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Laura, for telling us about the ballot box and about the uh, tornado that you bet. hit Stafford. <laughs> Hello, Merle. Um, tonight we are reporting from Smith Center, Kansas. Yes. Which is uh, sort of north central to northwest Kansas. It's roughly five hours from Topeka. And two minutes from Nebraska. <laughs> and uh, the reason uh, we are here is because uh, we just want to let people know that um, uh, currently at the Kansas Museum of History there is an exhibit called Game Faces, Kansas and Sports, and it's all about what sports mean to community. And um, as in the, in the next week, week and a half, two weeks, uh, the football season comes to a close. It's sort of championship time. And uh, we have the confluence of what we think of uh, as three events that sort of symbolize um, community and sports. And those events are uh, the Redmond of Smith Center, uh, War on 24, and the Border War. Yeah, confluence and may of community and maybe a little hatred. Right, right. Okay, so uh, so first I'll just let everybody know about the Redmond of Smith Center because it's a great story. Um, well, um, interesting, interestingly enough, Smith Center, which is a small town of about 1,800, it's a um, 2A school, which means it's the second to the smallest size school, was on the front page of what newspaper, Nikayla? The New York Times. That's right. This team, uh, a feature was done on this team, and it was on the front page of the New York Times on November 9, 2007, and uh, tonight they are on the semifinals. If they win tonight, they go on to the state championship game, and they are playing for their fourth consecutive state title in a row, and they're being coached by a na- by a coach. <laughs> of course, they're being coached by a coach. <laughs> They're being coached by a name. A man. They're being coached by a man named Roger Barda. And uh, he's been here for 30 years. 
And while he's been here, they've won six state titles. Pretty impressive. He must be good. But the best part about this whole season is the fact that this particular team has went uns- nobody has scored on them all season. The whole season. Until not tonight. Until tonight. <laughs> and so I like sad. to think it's because we showed up. Probably. People ask us not to come for now on. Right. Smith Center was playing St. Francis, which is even which is located even further west. Closer to Colorado. It is closer. Nebraska. It is actually closer to the city of Denver than the city of Topeka. Um, so they're playing St. Francis, and St. Francis scored six points on them in the first half. But they've held them since then, so we're hoping that's all they're going to get scored on. Right. So um, that is the story of, of Smith Center, which, you know... How many times did a community uh, this small in Kansas get featured on the front page of the New York Times? True, and they're very, very pumped. And they love their football. They love their football here. This place is packed to capacity. 3,000 people, they said. 3,000 people. That's almost double the population of the town yeah. here tonight. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about is War on 24, which is a, a rivalry um, between the city of Silver Lake and Rossville. Rossville and they're playing it. Um, they're playing their semifinal game uh, also tonight. And they're playing and it's called War on 24 because the two towns, which are also small towns, are located not far from Topeka, and they are both on U.S. Highway 24, which is oddly enough the highway we took <laughs> to, to pretty here. much get here. So, so maybe pretty much down some, the road. It has something to do with the highway, you think? It's yeah. the lucky football streak. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, and they're playing for the 3A state championship, or to see who goes on to play the 3A state championship. So the thing about them is, is like, these towns are um, six miles apart, and literally, uh, this rivalry has come to sort of define these two towns. I would say it's probably the best known. Well, in fact, in 2005, the uh, Topeka Capital Journal did an article on rivalries in Kansas, and people could vote, and the war on 24, the rivalry between Rossville and Silver Lake, was voted the most intense rivalry in the state of Kansas. And uh, it's really interesting because you can hear testimonials um, so every year. It seems like every year because they always end up playing each other. Five out of the last six years, these two have played each other in the semifinals and to, to get to state. And so it's almost like every year the Topeka Capital Journal newspaper does a paper on them, or does an article on them, and uh, they always have testimonials from former athletes. And it's really cool because they'll talk about how uh, literally from one town to the other, six miles, there's a caravan of vehicles that will stretch out. And you can, you can almost see the town from the other town. So it's pretty cool. And uh, you're going to tell us about another event. That is right. Coming up not this weekend, but next weekend will be the Border War. What is the Border War? The Border War, not actually a war. It is the football game between the University of Kansas and the University of Missouri. The Jayhawks and the Tigers. Which is big every year. Big every year. It's called the Border War because it's kind of related to the whole history of the Civil War and how before the Civil War began, Kansas and Missouri were actually fighting each other over whether or not Kansas is going to become a slave state. Possibly some of the rivalry is related to that history. When the first game was played in 1890, a lot of people, or 1891, uh, a lot of people that were there remembered the Civil War. You know, you're less than 30 years from the Civil War. So they remembered what happened. They still kind of hated each other for it. So they got together at this football game. For the first uh, 19 years, it was played in Kansas City. So it was literally on the border. You know, there was neutral, to- neutral territory. Neutral territory, that's right. And actually, most of the people that attended the games were from Kansas City. And so they, a lot of the rivalry goes back to then the games were pretty violent. There weren't as strict rules about conduct in football games as there are today. And it got ugly. If a player got hit and he didn't like it, it 
usually resulted in a fist fight and the refs didn't stop it. So they just beat each other to death and then they'd go home. And so the games were really close. Um, the rivalry kind of cooled in the 30s. They did some things to try to revive it. It wasn't quite as heated. And part of that's because neither school has ever really had a nationally ranked team. However, this year, very exciting because KU and Mizzou have had amazing seasons. KU is 10-0 for the first time since 1899 and they're ranked number four in the country and Mizzou is 9-1 and they're ranked number six. So there's a rivalry. A rivalry. They they already hated each other, right, right? Right. And this year, because they both have outstanding seasons, it's like just pumped it up that much more. Yeah. If you want to see other objects related to uh, high school football or even to college football, um, you can come check out Game Faces, Kansas and Sports. It's an exhibit at the Kansas Museum of History in Topeka, and it'll be open until December 30th, uh, 2007. And if you'd like to know more about the exhibit, uh, you can actually check it out on our website. You can check out an audio tour. Um, just go to KSHS.com. Some of the stuff you'll see in the exhibit is, uh, hey, look, there's the Redmen coming back out on the field. Ooh, so we got to get back. Sad. They look a little they look <laughs> Angry. All right. So we got to get back to the game. Yes. And now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Alawite, election 2008. And uh, joining me today is the museum assistant director, Rebecca Martin. Howdy. And the assistant registrar, Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. Uh, this week's challenge was to connect the Pulitzer Prize winning editorials, William Allen White, to Johnny Reed Edwards, or John Edwards, a former senator and medical malpractice attorney from North Carolina. Nikayla, I believe you have a connection. Uh, John Edwards was the vice presidential nominee in 2004, and we all remember that he ran with John Kerry. John Kerry attended a boarding school in Massachusetts, and while he was there, he became friends with Richard Pershing, who was the uh-huh. grandson of John Joseph Pershing. Pershing led the 8th Brigade on the punitive expedition to Mexico in search of Pancho Villa, and he was under the command of Frederick Funston, who, mm-hmm. as we've discussed before, was best friends that's with best. William Allen White. BFF. BFF, yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's five degrees. Right, five degrees. That's not good. No. Rebecca, where does that put uh, Mr. Edwards on the William Allen White presidential endorsometer, or also known as the William Allen White scale of electability? <laughs> Well, if red is a bad thing on a scale or a meter, uh, then I'd have to say he's in the red because he's tied for last place with Fred Thompson and Ron Paul. Not a good thing. Talk about your loser group. Well, I'm not going to commit, but I will say that the, the ones that have risen to the top in the Six Degrees competition are looking not so bad in the actual primary, and thus Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, John McCain, and Joe Biden. All right, Rebecca, uh, will you want to issue the challenge for the next episode? I do, and the next challenge is to connect William Allen White to the former governor of Arkansas, or Arkansas, as we like to say in, in Kansas. And, Sorry, uh, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. And a Republican presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee. Huckabee's a fun name. It is fun. Uh, you said it reminded you of something? Yeah, the movie. I Heart Huckabees, which I've never even seen, so yeah. I don't know why it made me think of that. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it makes me think of Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> so hopefully he can get some, you know, cachet out of that name. I hope he can get three degrees because, yeah. it, you know. He's got to break the tie. Yeah. Well, if you, if you know how to connect... Uh, 
Mr. Huckleby Hound to uh, <laughs> William Allen White. Just send your solution to podcasts at kshs.org. That's podcast with an S. That concludes episode 42, War with a Twist. Come back in two weeks when the museum's assistant director, Rebecca Martin, puts us in the Christmas spirit by telling us all about a tacky 1950s era aluminum tree. This podcast is a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. Just in the-